Stand by. The vacuum tubes are warming up. This is a special live broadcast. Right here on Georgia Radio. 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 Well, good evening. Once again, you're listening to the Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio Show on GeorgiaRadio.com with Matt Jolly, who is uh, I, I, I'm more than under the weather tonight. He's on death's door, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad, but I'm pretty. I'm bad off. I I came down. He has flu. the he has the flu, and um, he's just not feeling well. That's a, it's a bad flu going around this year, and then. But he's been a good trooper, and, and we're on the air tonight. And we have we are blessed to have Faith Stapleton Burnett back with us again. It's always a great show when we have Faith. Thank you, Faith, for joining us. You you there? Yes, it's my pleasure to be here. Is it cold and raining where you are? It's it's cold, but not as cold as it's gonna be. So yes, yeah, no, been dreary all day long up here and outside Elberton, Georgia. Well, and you're well. Hell north of us, way up there where it's going to get rough. I mean, we're going to have some really, uh, I know other people in places that laugh when we talk about it, but we don't, we're not used to this. Now, years ago when we were young, they, uh, you know, uh, before global warming, man-made global warming, quote, quote, uh, took effect, uh, we used to be a lot colder. We, 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 we experienced a lot of cold like this, but this week we're going to have temperature in the teens and wind chills around zero, which is pretty miserable. I don't care where you are or who you are. It's pretty miserable. That's right. You're right. You're right. And so that's what I thought we would talk about tonight is cold weather. And you, you know, without me even saying, wait, I'm going to talk about Georgia history in some way or another. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, we, you know, when, when we talk, that comes to mind, I think about the, uh, the blizzard, uh, not just snow, but it was a, <laughs> we had a blizzard in 1973, the second week in February, 1973. Now I was, uh, 50, I think then 14, 15, 14. And I was singing with the First Baptist Church Youth Choir, which were known as the Good News Company. We went uh, to to uh, a singing uh, convention, or or, or uh, I think uh, we were at Rock Eagle at the uh, 4-H Youth Camp, and for competition, and and it was not supposed the weather forecast did not predict uh, really rain or snow. And we left Swainsboro on the church bus in a, in a van, and we headed up through Wrightsville that way. And it started raining, and it got colder and colder, and it started freezing, and it started snowing. And we got to Rock Eagle, and uh, we had uh, snowed all day and all night. Next day, a lot of the choirs left. The only choirs that couldn't get home was us from Swainsboro and the, the youth choir from Montezuma. And some of the staff at the uh, camp there stayed and cooked for us and and help keep the place open. And we had a ball. It was a fun time. But there was it was like eighteen to twenty four inches of snow in our part of Georgia and south of us. You know, when we have the coldest weather or the most snow is when we have cold drier from the north running into moisture from the Gulf. When we have fronts that come in that would have moisture that come in from the west or the northwest, they usually hit warmer air and we don't get snow. But when that happens, it usually starts from the south and moves up, starting Florida, South Georgia, and move up into Georgia. And uh, we've had that happen another time or two. But uh, where where were you that year, Faye, that week? Uh, I don't – I think I was just in Metter because we, we hadn't graduated from high school yet. Right. I, think I was just at home in Metter. But what I wanted to mention too, Wade, uh, 
there was a time in history when if you didn't want to create controversy, you could just avoid talking about religion and politics. And Before talk, social and media. About, yeah, and talk <laughs> about the weather. You know, weather was a non-offensive topic back in the day. But now if you bring up the weather, it's going to bring up climate change, and then you get into all kind of trouble. But, but that being said, I'm going to venture into uh, weather. Uh, well, you know, let me interrupt you, and that's what I do. <laughs> yes. you know, Mark, Mark Twain, one of his famous quotes was, everybody complains about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. You're right. Well, I, I have some questions for you, Wade, and, and you're not allowed to uh, do an Internet search. I just want your best guess at this. Well, you don't have to worry. I couldn't. Keep you it all on the screen it, and do that at the same time. You, it could be done, I'm sure, but I don't know how to do it. So. Good. All right. Here's my first question. What is Here the my coldest... hands in front of my face yeah. right now. You <laughs> okay. <see. laughs> what, what is the coldest temperature ever recorded in Georgia? Probably 10 below. Okay. You're very close. It was 17 degrees below. Can you guess what year it was? Just just give me a guess. Not 1901. 1940, can you guess what county or what area of the state? Brasstown Bald up there. Well, it's, it said it was in Murray County near Chatsworth, and it's an area known as the Pocket because of the, the way that the, uh, the uh, geography and the topography come together there. And um, so I just thought that was interesting. Minus 17 degrees, that's pretty that's cold. cold. Yeah, and now, I yeah, you, that wasn't windshield. That was actual temperature. You hear Conway barking? Yes. He's looking at his reflection in the stove, and he does that now and then, and so he chose a good time to go over there and bark at yourself. <laughs> that's okay. But, I um, love it. It's not real bright, but go ahead. That's okay. I wanted to look back at another, you know, this is going to be a pretty cold spell uh, that we're having coming in in the next few days this weekend, but if I wanted to look back at a historic cold spell, which was in the late 1800s, 1885 to 1888. Um, in the winter of 1886 to 87, it was known as the big die-up, as in die, as in dead. Instead wow. of talking about a cattle roundup, they called it a cattle die-up because out in the Midwest, they lost so many herd of cattle. And that basically changed the way that cattle were um, the industry forever. Because before that, they just let them have free range and go around, and they lost so many. That was the end of that with the Cowboys in, in that's, 18. Yeah. That's sad. Now, but, hey, you, what year was it when it was the year after uh, uh, the volcano uh, erupted there in the Pacific? And it was he called the year without a summer. And it was, you know, they had snow in July in places, and, and yeah. it was very cold. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd have to look that up. But I just know that, that this was a historic, I mean, a massive historic event in the late 1880s. But seeing as how we're talking about Georgia, I want to mention that. But I want to read some excerpts from my great-granddaddy's diary in Jefferson County during this period of time. And I'm going to have Brock read it since a man wrote it. Uh, this okay. is my great-granddaddy out there in Jefferson County that gives you some clue as what the cold was like. It was kind of like what we have now. It was, um, you know, like they talk about a cyclone, that kind of thing. It's, it was an epic cold. So if you'll, if you'll let me let Brock read the first sure. selection, okay? This is from um, 1885 in February. February 23rd, Monday. 
Edgar still sick, fair and cold. Fine day for outdoor work. Some of the hands plowing and some making fence and cleaning up, etc. Preparation for farming generally very backward. This is the most protracted spell of cold weather that we have had in the climate since the year 1835. So say some of the old people. There has been ice for two weeks and most of the time the ground frozen too hard to plow in the morning. The land is also extremely wet and foggy and some of the wells almost running over. Uh, I, I thought that was interesting that, you know, that was in 1885 and you had people talking about what happened in 1835 and, uh, the concept of wells running over, Wade, I'm sure you're, you may have some knowledge on that. I have a shallow well in my yard, and it's down right now about probably 12, 15 feet, and I live on Sand Hill. But I've seen it level with the ground, but I've never seen it run over. Yeah. And that was only twice. Uh, by the way, going back to the, um, it was 1816 uh, when the, uh, Year without uh, a summer thing. Yeah, and I was trying to find uh, Mount Mount Tambora uh, erupted in 1815. So the following okay. year, the cla- the ash blocked out the sun, and that was a year without summer. And uh, sometimes you might want to uh, read about that. I'm sure there's some references to it in Georgia. You know, in Georgia. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's getting yeah. back there from the newspapers, but I'm sure there's. Yeah. Uh, some. But you know, we we we. Now we're we're saying you know keep wrap your pipes and they didn't have that back then, and yeah. uh, you know I have heard of it getting so cold in times past that people's wells froze. Oh yeah, and, and uh, you know you could break that you could drop a put a heavy weight on a on a rope and drop it and break the ice, but uh, you know having living in a house and we've experienced that living in a house with no insulation, an old house and heating with a gas base heater or a fireplace, you couldn't heat the house. No. And when, when I've, I've lived in a house, when it got that, you know, down in the, in the single digits in an old insulated house. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty miserable. I've seen, uh, you know, things freeze inside the house. People, uh, we Absolutely. had a year. Do you remember a year it got down to below zero and the wind was so bad and people's toilets froze in, in the houses, and, and it was pot rusty. It was, it was terrible. Yes, yes. Um, uh, this, when, when I mentioned a while ago, they've talked on the news tonight about a cyclone, you know, talking about the blizzard cyclone. We're right. going to jump on from 1885 to the next January of 1886, mm-hmm. back in his, his journal. Um, and it's called an extratropical cyclone. Uh, a blizzard that came in in January the 9th, 1886. And it's mentioned, if you if you Google that, it's talked about all over the nation. Um, and he's writing in this diary entry about his mill pond. And if you're in little old Stapleton, Georgia, and you go out toward Gibson, there's a Dewhart's Creek. That's where the mill pond was. And there's also reference in the newspapers of the Okmulgee River in Macon, frozen so hard that men were walking on it. Wow. That's, yes. that's amazing. It is. Okay. Now here's, here's Brock again. This He's going to read gotcha. the part that my great granddaddy. Okay, Brock. January the 8th, Friday, family up, raining heavy during the forenoon, very windy and cold during the evening. January 9th, Saturday, family up, heavy freeze. The night was stormy throughout and moving heavy this morning. Very bitter for outdoor work. Milk froze while milking. 
Wow. The day was, the day was yeah. spent by making fires and sticking to them. The trains were greatly delayed by the ice obstructing the working of the engines. January 10th, Sabbath day, family up, everything still frozen. No evidence of a moderation. The wind blew all night and stiff stirring, still stirring. The sun shining brightly, seemingly without much impression. The weather being so extremely cold, I did not attend my appointment at Mill Creek Church. January 11th, family up, still exceedingly cold, so much so that all outdoor work nearly suspended. Railroads all more or less disorganized. My gin run by water has been frozen up since last Friday night. We can't turn a wheel. January 12th, Tuesday, family up, still very cold. The wind has ceased, but there is no evidence of a thaw. Grain generally thought to be killed. January 13th, Wednesday, family up, still cold. The papers state this to be the coldest spell that has been in this county or country in 135 years. Ground thawed a little in some spots where the sun could strike fair all day. January 14th, Thursday, family up, still fair and cold, some air stirring that makes it very disagreeable. Hands cutting up logs, large green pines frozen through, cut through the ice on my mill pond and it measured three and one half inches where the water was 12 feet deep. Friday, January 15th, still cold, wind from the north, very sharp, some clouds indicating snow. The ground is said to be frozen from six to eight inches. This is the eighth day since the spell commenced. Went up to see an old colored man by the name of Moses Hart to assist him in fixing his will. On my way, I drove in on some ice and my mare slipped down and it was with some difficulty that I succeeded in getting her up and out. I tried to break the ice with a rail, but I failed to make an impression. Some scattering drops of rain late in the evening. But note, in 1854, Reedy Creek Church was recovered by Mr. W.G. Wren, and this week was recovered by the members of the church. Uh, just of note, when you talk about pine trees being frozen. That's amazing. <laughs> and this, this was the coldest spell since 1751. Well, wow. now he mentioned recovering. What they meant by recovering was putting wooden shingles on the roof, wooden yes. shingles. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They didn't have and the tin roof then. It was wood, all wood shingles. Yes. Right. And Reedy Creek was the home church. It's out there. And I know, Wade, you know what I'm talking about, the panhandle of Warren County. Yes. Okay. It's right out there. They call it Stapleton, but it's actually over the county line from Jefferson. But um, when you talk about your mill pond being frozen that much of a depth, uh, and it's interesting that they were actually recovering the roof. Yeah, I, I wonder why they chose that time to recover. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know. It might have been necessary. Listen, it's break time. We need to go yes. and take our break, Matt. Hi, this is Wade Peebles from Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio. I'm here to tell you about Meeks Brothers Cattle Company. And you don't have to worry about supply chain issues or where your beef comes from. Do what I do and call Meeks Brothers Cattle Company today. You can get a whole half, a quarter, any amount of beef you want. Good quality beef. Vacuum packed. Lasts up to three years in your freezer. It's grass-fed, grain-finished, made to order. Visit Meeks Brothers Cattle Company on Facebook today and tell them Brother Wade sent you. And that's Meeks Brothers Cattle Company. Thank you. Georgia Radio. Radio. 
good company and great country. Well, you're still with us. Thank you for joining us. You're on the, listening to the uh, Georgia Folk and Farm Life radio show brought to you by uh, Meat Brothers Cattle Company, which, by the way, um, and I need to do a, record a new ad. They, they have added 25 and 50-pound boxes of beef packages that, that, that if you want to buy smaller amounts, and it's wonderful. It's a great deal. And they have a new website. I, I hope it's up. It, it was supposed to be, and I hadn't checked before tonight, and I should have. But if it's not, it should be. But check their website. They've got that makes uh, finding out about their products and ordering uh, much easier. So, yeah, well, uh, we're here with... What, uh, what's the website, Wade? I, I'm not sure. Uh <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me technical questions like that yeah all right we'll check yeah we'll check and we'll get that we'll post about that on on the uh, uh facebook group there georgia folk farm life well we're back with faith stapleton and, and brock uh faith stapleton burnett uh I, I if i ever forget to say burnett slap me oh it's all right we're good i, I know brock brock is is used to that but uh they're here with us tonight, and uh, glad to have both of them. We're talking about historically cold weather in Georgia, and I can remember when I was young, the mud puddles froze solid quite often. The pond, our pond would freeze, get a sheet of ice, and we would throw rocks across it, and it was never enough to walk on. We uh, we were big young and chubby young, and we knew better. <laughs> It'd have to be some thick ice to hold us, but but we don't see that much anymore, and, and we used to see icicles hanging from the eaves of the, the edge of the roof uh, quite often but i don't like an ice storm that's i like snow i like cold weather okay but i do not like an ice storm i don't want to be without power the last one we had i think it was in 2016 the uh i was without power from tuesday morning to sunday night and it was uh, miserable so yeah um i did want to mention you know since we're talking about weather wade in the in the three years that this diary's was written in the late 1880s in Jefferson County. There was three major weather events, one every year. You couldn't have you couldn't have orchestrated it to be better. One was this epic cold that we're reading about tonight. The other one was an earthquake. You know, the earthquake that hit Charleston so badly that also right. that hit up into Jefferson County. He describes that. And the other is basically what it was, was a hurricane, but the effects of a tropical storm, the flooding that occurred. And, you know, we take it for, for granted. We're sitting here looking at the news and the radar and everything. These people, when you read, when you read his diary, they're just kind of going along with their life. They're at somebody's house and they're planting their crops and like, wham, something hits them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll but just give you a good they example. Had no idea. They had no idea it was coming. I'll give you a good example. My grandfather, Robert Morris, was born in 1901. And when he was a young boy, and I wrote uh, a Christmas story when you're based loosely on that, uh, so close yet so far away. But it was uh, it was in the wintertime, but he, it was warm. The weather was warm. And actually, there was no weather news. They didn't know. They just took right. what came. And Grandpa went to up a, a good Distance away, dirt roads. His mom and daddy let him go over, walk to a friend's house, and and uh, uh, spend the night. And he went barefoot, and short sleeves and shorts on, and no shoes or socks. And when he got there, uh, the weather just started turning cold, and it started snowing, and it snowed heavy. And Grandpa 
uh, couldn't even go out and enjoy this because he didn't have any shoes and the boy, they were all poor folks. And those kids didn't have any spares, you know, for him to, uh, uh, he had just sit up and watch his buddy and his brother playing in the snow. And it was three days before his daddy could come get him and, yeah. uh, and, and get over there and get him. And they had no phones, no communication. He was well taken care of, but he said he sure wanted to go play in that snow, but he couldn't, but that's the kind of surprise that weather was back then. Well, it, the the weather events were surprises, but I will also say that when you read his entries in his journal, the date that these weather events occur, um, if he'll he'll quote he got the Augusta Chronicle, and so he'll quote what the newspaper said about it within a day or two, and the news of the earthquake in Charleston, um, you'd be surprised how quickly it spread to these, you know, into the newspapers. You can correlate what he's talking about with what's in the, the press back then. So that kind of, that almost amazed me that some little podunk town in the middle of nowhere would would actually find out what was going on fairly quickly after well, the fact. Well, the, the, tele, the, the telegram, telegraph yeah. and the railroad made a big difference. Yes. But yes. talking about weather and what people, you mentioned cyclone. Uh, yes. People did not use rural people, and in, in, even in my grandparents' day, did not know the term hurricane. They would say a cyclone came through. Yeah. And they would use the same term sometimes for a tornado. They didn't use the term tornado very often. It was a, a twister or a cyclone. And a big cyclone would be a hurricane, or a small cyclone would be a tornado. And they didn't know to use those terms. But cyclone is something we rarely use today, but it was a very common term to describe weather events then. It, it was. And um, something uh, you may know, Wade, and I'm, I'm sure you probably do, but when you're reading this journal, because he was also a farmer, and they would plant corn, you know, back when there was ice on the ground, and they would be out there planting their corn. And I can't remember, is it so that it would – Try to get it up before all the or the birds would come. Do you remember why they planted so early when it was still icy? I'm not. Sh I'm not sure. That's what I'm gonna have to say. Somebody I'm not sure knows. about that. Look, somebody knows because that's when they plant corn every year. It would be ice on the ground, and you would have you would have freezing uh, weather and ice like end of March. I mean, back back in this diary, I'm amazed at um, how much. The co this was a co but this was a protracted uh, period of cold, and there was also extreme. Um, I think you've heard me talk about this before, Wade. In 1873, there was a man who wrote a very intelligent scientific article in the Milledgeville newspaper, talking about climate change, the extreme cold. They were going into a instead of global warming, it was global the ice cooling. age. Yes. yes, it was the ice age. And he was attributing, and he had a very excellent explanation, it was the railroad tracks causing it. Uh, and, uh, you know, we laugh at it, but, but I mean, what he said was very scientific, and it made perfect sense. But he was an anti-railroad man because he said that they were, uh, it was messing with the wind currents, and it was creating these uh, big events. That's um, funny. Yeah, it is. And he signed it anti-railroad. Then, you know, there was uh, some funny beliefs about weather. You know, when people went, when they uh, settled the lands west of the Mississippi and, and Kansas and Nebraska, and then when they moved on, those were good farmlands. They moved on further west into some of the more arid uh, regions, 
that uh, sometimes they got rain, sometimes they didn't. You could have, you know, a good crop year, but then it might be several years of basically drought that was normal for that that region. In fact, the range was abnormal. Yeah. But there was a belief that, uh, and, and real estate people, these land speculators, love to say that rain followed the plow. They believed that if you went out there, there and plowed the land, the rain would come. That's what yeah. they didn't understand the science of it, and they wanted to sell land to these poor people that um, that would, you know, basically it's going to be a dust bowl. But rain followed the plow. That was a common belief back then. So you go, yeah. you build it, and it was like they build it, and they will come, plow it, and the rain will come. Yes, um, and I know we're we're fixing to close in on the end of the show, um, and I, so I'm going to skip on over to the end. The last uh, this was uh, since we're coming up on the end of the year, Wade, and we I probably won't be with you again before the end of the year, I guess. So um, anyway, this diary is leading up to his death. Um, he died uh, about two months after the last this next entry. This was on New Year's Eve. To me, New Year's Eve always uh, brings to mind looking back and reflecting. So I'm going to let Brock read December 31st on 1887, which was about two months before he died. Family all up, but I am quite feeble. One year ago, I had but little hope that I would live to see the close of another year. But the good Lord has seen fit to preserve me, and I am still alive but nothing more than a skeleton. Thousands have died during the present that were young, stout, and strong, while the old and afflictive have been spared. God's ways is not man's ways. So I, I thought that was very... That's touching. He, he was a very pious, religious, uh, stalwart Christian man, and it reflected in most of his writings, wasn't it? And his actions... Yes. He was yeah. a very uh, philanthropic man. He was he was fairly well off, and, and he, but he he did spend a lot of his his treasure and his time helping others. He is way, but um, it's an interesting thing. Um, he was born in eighteen twenty four. He went to church his whole life. His daddy his daddy became a Baptist preacher in his sixties, but but this man, my great granddaddy, did not become a Christian or a preacher until he was 51 years old. He really? said he had a calling when he was a young man to be a preacher. He resisted the call his whole life, and he said that it was a dereliction of his duty and that once he became a Christian and was called to be a minister, he spent the rest of his life trying to make up for his dereliction of duty his whole life. That's so he amazing. was a very interesting man. He, um, his he was, father was too. Yeah, his yeah. father was just quite the character. But see, th this is a man, we've got to understand this in 1888. He grew up listening to his granddaddy talk about fighting in the American Revolution. Right. He grew up listening to his daddy talk about fighting under Andrew Jackson in the War of 1812 and killing Indians in the Seminole Indian Wars. And he fought in the Civil War. Uh, he, he mustered in and out several times due to um, diarrhea. He had diarrhea for seven months. But anyway, dysentery. That was, that's one of the greatest casualties of that era yes. and that war. People dysentery. don't like to talk about. Yes, no, yes. I know. He had dysentery for seven months. Yes. But he regained his health, and he went back in at the end of the war. And you know this, Wade, and some of our listeners know this. But he was the head of militia from Jefferson and Emanuel County areas and some other counties, which was the old men and the young boys who were totally untrained, unequipped, 
ill-skilled and had very high casualties. And one of his one of his regiments was the Mr. Coleman that the Coleman House in Swainsboro. Right, he went right. on. Become, he was only sixteen when he was in the war, so he went on to become a, a wealthy banker. So I always think about that. But but yes, I mean, very reflective of his life. And um, I just think to have a record of what life, the cold they experienced right there in that county, which had to be just bitter. The animals, you think about the animals, Wade. Yeah. You have a barn, you know? What, uh, what prompted the uh, the journal, Faye? It's Matt. Sorry for jumping in here. Um, you know, I don't know. It's really interesting. I, my plans are to publish it. It is not a diary of his innermost thoughts. It is a journal, and he did it every day for three years leading up to his death. And what's interesting, he writes it to someone who doesn't know what he's talking about because he will explain what things are. So whoever whoever his target audience was, was somebody that didn't live there and didn't know what was going on. It so was his progeny, probably, later well, that he was unknown, progeny his, unknown. Well, I guess so, and, and I think he knew he was dying. Um, right. But and, and I will say that having experienced the, uh, the death of his mother at a young age, the death of a wife, he had four children that died, he went off to war and saw massive casualties. There is absolutely no hint of depression or PTSD or anything else, which I find remarkable. And I can only attribute to that to his faith because he, he still, his, uh, let me, I'm going to have Brock read the very last entry before he died. And then I'll, I'll sign off. Here it is. January 23rd, Monday. All up commenced raining during the night and today it has been busy all the time, and the fire feels pleasant. The last word he wrote was pleasant. That is good. Yeah, so, so that's well, that's I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy New Year, and stay warm. <laughs> Thank you, Faye. Thank you, Brock. Okay. You're welcome. Yes. Anytime. Wow. Merry Christmas. There you go. Great show, everybody. Enjoyed listening in yep. tonight. Thanks, Wade. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. And uh, join us next week and join us on podcast. Listen anytime. And repeats of the show. When are the shows repeated, Matt? Wednesday morning or Friday morning? Yeah, Wednesday morning when I remember. <laughs> and Friday morning maybe, too? Yes, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good thing about owning the radio station. Listen, you, you, uh, I haven't been up in, I haven't been awake in three days for more than about an hour. So I'm doing. Thank you for yeah. being a trooper and being here there tonight with us, Matt. Thank you. All right. Good <laughs> night, everybody. Night. We love y'all. Thank good night. Georgia Radio. Good company and great country. Yeah, enjoying the country.